from the Utah School Counselors Association, this is The Sounding Board, where school counselors share ideas. I'm Nate Webb, school counselor, USCA board member, and every week I'll be speaking with different counselors and professionals that will be giving us valuable information in our counseling world. We cannot wait for you to hear these ideas. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to The Sounding Board from the Utah School Counselors Association. It's your host, Nate Webb, and guys, the school year is almost over. Holy moly, we almost made it, guys. Most of us have about one term left. Most of us started start fourth term. Well, when this episode comes out, fourth term is going to be like started. Today is going to be the Monday, the day one of term four. Um, anyway, today, guys, on the podcast, we're going to be talking about anxiety. We deal with kids all the times as school counselor, as school counselors, sorry, with anxiety, kids with anxiety. Um, and so we're going to talk about how we can support our kids with anxiety, how we can help them, a whole lot of different things. Now, first off, it's important to know what anxiety is, to define it. And, you know, based on the interwebs, a real quick, quick Google search in the DSM-5, um, anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes, like increased blood pressure. Um, people with anxiety disorders usually have reoccurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry, etc. So it's a it's that feeling of worry, you know, all the time, all the time, and their body saying, "Oh no, you're gonna die if you do this." Or there's there's always intrusive thoughts that come because of this anxiety, because of this worry. Now, it's important to be able to recognize the signs of anxiety within our kids. And anxiety manifests in different ways. There's, there's physical symptoms, there's emotional symptoms, and there's also behavioral symptoms as well. Now, our, our physical symptoms, you can see them, you know, they're, 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 they're tight. You know, they're making themselves as small as possible. You know, it makes me think of the fetal position, right? You're covering all of your vital organs making yourself as small as possible. Kids with anxiety, oftentimes, actually, physically, they'll have their hood on. A lot of kids with anxiety, they put their hood on, they try to stay away from people, but they also, you'll see physically, they have like hunched shoulders. And I'm like doing it right now. You guys can't see me. <laughs> but they have they have hunched shoulders. Um, physically, the, um, I know when I have a lot of anxiety, my, my palms get sweaty. Um, they have, they, people with high anxiety tend to have stomach issues. Um, and then additionally, some of their emotional symptoms of anxiety is a lot of apathy. And for those who don't know what apathy is, apathy is when your give a crap is broken. Um, but those who are experiencing a lot of anxiety have a lot of apathy as well. And then obviously the behavioral symptoms of high anxiety, they might lash out a lot. Um, kids who have a lot of anxiety, they either retreat back, but when they're prodded, they lash out. And so as school counselors, most of the time we can, we, we know, we really know when kids are, oh my gosh, that kid, anxiety. Now, a lot of times they don't have an anxiety disorder. They just don't have to deal. They just don't know how to deal with it. And that's difficult. Now, that being said, there are ways that we can support our kids or students who have anxiety, not just anxiety disorders, but just who experience lots of anxiety because at home they may not have a lot of good modeling of how to cope with those feelings. And so we got to help them while they're at the school. So creating a safe place 
um, where school counselors can create that safe place, then welcoming environment for students who are struggling with that anxiety. And so a few things we need to do. First off, we need to establish trust. It's important to establish trust with students because by being open and approachable, showing empathy and maintaining confidentiality when appropriate, students feel comfortable sharing their thoughts and feelings with us without fear of judgment or negative consequences. Um, and so when we establish that trust, they're more likely to talk to us. And then second of all, we need to be available. It's hard to create a safe place for kids if we're never there. B make sure students know that when and how to access our services, where the counseling office is, who their counselor is, how they can talk to them, how they can book an appointment with them. Um, some places just have a secretary. I'm honestly not a huge fan of having a gatekeeper secretary. You know, I think it's awesome if we can have like an online check-in or a form you can sign in when you walk in and then a counselor comes out and meets you right there then. Um, um, being available, it, it, being responsive and prompt in our communications with them, it, it makes it so that they are f heard and valued. And that's important. Um, next, we need to provide a welcoming physical environment. You know, we need to create a physical space that's welcoming and comfortable and conducive to confidential conversations. Consider factors such as like your lighting, your seating and privacy to a quiet, a, a great space um, that that feels safe and secure. Like in our offices, what what does your walls look like? Are they barren? Do they not have any like decorations on them? Any signs on them? Does it, do, do, do you feel happy in your office? Odds are, if you're not happy in your office, neither are the kids in your office. And so it might be a good idea to spruce it up a little bit and make it so that it, the feeling is lighter in your office. Um, but making that welcoming environment. And you could, there's so many things we can do as school counselors, right? Especially, I mean, we, we got kids who are LGBTQ. We could put up little signs just saying ally in the corner. Um, I have so much superhero stuff all over my office because I found that kids look up and they see all my superhero stuff and all of a sudden they disassociate me with the horrible school that they're having a hard time with. And I'm just a friend. And in that moment, they're, they're, they open up to me. Anyway, so create just – you need to provide that welcoming, warm physical environment. Um, and then fourth, foster a positive school culture. You know, work with other educators, administrators, um, staff to create a school culture that values inclusivity, diversity, and respect. In encourage open communication and dialogue and promote a culture and of acceptance and understanding. Now, I, li I like to think that we all do this, right? We say we probably think that we all do this. But in reality, we don't. A lot of times, uh, staff, counselors, admin, we're not all on the same page. And so... If we want to foster a positive school culture, then in our faculty meetings and things like that, we need to spend some time on school culture. We need to spend some time as a faculty, as a group on school culture, because that is a big deal. Um, next, offer diver diverse perspectives. Recognize and celebrate the diversity of your student body by incorporating a range of perspectives and experiences into your work. You know, think about maybe incorporating resources and materials that are inclusive of different cultural, you know, social, ethnic backgrounds. Basically, you know, we all have our stories, how we connect with kids, but maybe read stories of people who look like your kids. 
Maybe you're in an area that's a high diverse area, high Hispanic group people or lots of African-American. And so your stories may not connect with them because, well, you might be a middle aged white dude. And you're not going to be able to tell stories and connect well with this, you know, this, this black teenage girl that's having issues and you have no clue how to help her. It's, it's a good idea to maybe learn more about the people we're serving. Learn some stories about people that struggled that look like the people that you're currently helping. Um, and then obviously we need to use trauma-informed approaches. Understand that students may come to you with a variety of experiences, including trauma, So we need to use trauma-informed approaches to create a safe environment that support their emotional well-being, and it helps them feel more comfortable sharing their experiences. If if you're like, what's that? What's being trauma-informed? That's a whole nother podcast. There's literally hour-long things. You could just go on YouTube, trauma-informed practices, and you'll get a whole lot of things. Heck, you could probably type in a chat GPT, hey, tell me about trauma-informed practices. And you would learn so much, but I'm not crying. My throat gave out. Um, But trauma-informed practices really help students be comfortable talking to you, especially after going through traumatic experiences. So anyway, and then lastly, as far as creating that safe environment, we need to stay informed. Stay informed about current issues and trends that may impact your students' emotional well-being. What are the TikTok trends going on right now that might be affecting your kids? What are the different trends or what are the different political things going on right now that the kids might be worried about? You know, attend training sessions and personal developments like the USCA conference that happens every year. So you can stay up to date with best practices, emerging, emerging trends, counseling, things within the world of counseling that can help the kids out. Okay. Now that being said, even if we create a warm space, right, we do all these things, we still have to help them. (laughs) We still have to give them strategies to support them. Kids who have anxiety, they often need help. They often need to be guided through different strategies and techniques to walk through all that anxiety. And so I'm going to, I pulled up a few. I mean, this is not an extensive list by any means. But it's a few. And I think I pulled up like seven or eight. Um, one is just relaxation techniques. Encouraging students to practice relaxation, such as deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, visualization, you know, things that help manage their anxiety symptoms. I actually really like progressive muscle relaxation. That's where your whole body's tense. And so what you do, you consciously, from the head down, relax every single muscle in your body it takes about 10 minutes and by the end you want to fall asleep because you realize how tense you were like you go through and there's an app called stop breathe think that walks that that kind of guides through it for you but they're like okay i want you to recognize your jaw clench your jaw now relax your jaw now i want you to notice your neck relax your neck and just like one by one, the muscles relax and you let you just feel where all your tension has been. Anyway, um, also positive self-talk. Encourage students to use positive self-talk to counteract negative thoughts and reduce anxiety. Talking to yourself is not weird. And helping students learn how to have positive self-talk is going to help replace a lot of the negative self-talk that they've been conditioned and programmed to have within themselves. Um and then having them develop some maybe positive affirmations, things that they go to phrases that they can say to themselves so they can become their best cheerleaders. Now, there's there's things like CBT, cognitive-based therapy. 
we are not therapists, okay? We are not therapists. So have that in mind that it is not your job to go down CBT. And But that being said, even though we're not therapists, it's important to know some of the aspects of cognitive-based therapy and different um, trauma-informed practices because sometimes we're like the, the mental health CMT. We're working with these kids until we can get them help. And so for those who don't know, CBT is a type of therapy that helps individuals identify and change negative thought patterns and behaviors that contribute to anxiety. And so as a school counselor, you could work with students to identify negative thoughts and beliefs and then help them develop coping strategies to replace them with more positive ones. You see where we're coming for them? Um, next up, mindfulness. Mindfulness is so great. It, mindfulness it became kind of big. Oh, probably about 10 years ago, I would say, and when it really took off. But encourage students to practice mindfulness techniques such as meditation or mindfulness-based strategies, um, stress reduction to help them stay present in the moment and reduce that anxiety. Now, by far the best, not even close, the best way to reduce anxiety and depression and mental health issues in kids is exercise. Regular exercise can help reduce anxiety by releasing endorphins and improving overall physical and mental health. You could recommend specific types of exercise or you could just, you know, if, if they're not sure what, you could give them specific ideas. But for the most part, kids know how to exercise. But you got yoga, you got riding a bike. I'm a wrestling coach. And so I have a lot of wrestlers that come and they're having a bad day. And we're like, hey, okay. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad day. Let's fight it out. They're not even mad at each other, but we're going to fight it out on the wrestling mat. And they emerge a lot happier, actually. Um, now, the other things that contribute, some kind of like life skills, soft skills that can help them with their anxiety, time management skills. A lot of students ex experience their anxiety because of academic pressures and deadlines. As a school counselor, we can teach students like effective time management skills. And, you know, creating a schedule, breaking down tasks into smaller, more manageable steps and help reduce the anxiety related to the academic performance. And additionally, as counselors, we do a lot of groups, right? We encourage students to connect with others and who are experiencing similar anxiety related challenges. And we run groups at our schools. A lot of us do. And those groups is where you provide information um, about anxiety and you talk through it and you it can they kind of guide it and if you guys don't grow groups then you could give them information about support groups in your area um okay now with students with anxiety especially with kids with anxiety it's really important to work with parents and teachers collaboration with parents and teachers to support students with anxiety is really really important I mean, we have teachers that are probably already calling home saying, hey, Sally missed a lot of school last week. We're not sure how to help her. What can we do? And then the school counselor might need to let all the teachers know, hey, mom told me to tell you guys, Sally um, just got diagnosed with a depressive disorder or anxiety disorder, and she's having a tough time even making it to school. And so when she's in the classroom, can you please do X, Y, and Z as outlined in her new 504 accommodations or something like that? But the communication between counselor and parent and teacher is very vital because if we don't communicate with each other, then the kid falls through the cracks. And that's what we cannot afford. And so with those kids that are high flyers or high anxiety kids, we need to be in constant communication. It is better to over communicate than it ever is to under communicate. Trust me. Um, 
Now, there's a lot of stigma around anxiety, a lot of stigma around anxiety. And so something we got to think about is how we can address the stigma surrounding anxiety and make it so people aren't ashamed. Now, I'll be honest, I think a lot of it has to do with social media, especially with kids. They are ashamed to struggle because they don't think anyone else struggles. They don't think it's normal to struggle. Um, and it is normal to struggle, but no one shares about their struggles. And so maybe you could brainstorm as a team how you can address the stigma of mental health, of anxiety in your school. Now, obviously, all of this could, could come into just one word called self-care, <laughs> right? You know? some things that something we can do um to help ourselves um we need to have self-care <laughs> we deal with all these anxiety kids we deal with all these kids with suicide ideation depression you name it but we don't take care of ourselves a lot of the times and so you need to take care of yourself go exercise go spend time with family go do things that you love so that you can be your best self for these kids because these kids depend on us. These kids depend on us and, and we need to be there for them. And that means you need to leave work at work. Sometimes you need to go home after contract time, <laughs> close, close as you can at least and be with your family and leave work at work so that you don't burn out from it. And then lastly, we need to um, tell people, uh, refer them out. That's what I was trying to say. Um, provide information about resource and referrals in your area that school counselors, we can offer students who need additional support or intervention. For example, my so my county, Tooele County School District, we have a mental health grant so that um, we work with the teachers, we work with the kids and the parents. And if we have an applicant for the grant, that we, we, you know, we, we go through it and we're like, yeah, this would be a good applicant for the grant. Basically, the grant, um, it, it gets them therapy service. It pays for like the first four or something, four to six, I think, sessions of therapy. And that might not be much for, for some, but it's something. And so something is better than nothing. Now, remember, there is no perfect world, right? There is no, these are all ideas, these are all ideas on how we can support kids who have anxiety. We talked about how we can create a, a good environment. We talked about how we can help them, how we can, what strategies that we can help them to reduce their anxiety. But when it comes to it, at the end of the day, there's no one perfect way to do it. You might have had several things that were not on this list. I remember when I was in the school counseling program, we spent a long time on anxiety um, because there are a lot of people in my cohort that experiencing anxiety. We talked about different breathing exercises. We looked at the funny little cartoon fish that would move around on the screen and you'd breathe up. This fish would move around in a square. And as he would go up the screen, you'd breathe in. As he'd go to across the screen, you'd breathe out and he'd go down. And so as you're making the circle, you're breathing in and out and in and out and like just a whole lot of fun little things. So there might be different strategies that I didn't even talk about that work for you. But I want you to think about how you can support your students with anxiety because there's more and more of them. Like, and it's not because there's, there's more anxiety in the world. 
I think it's because more people are recognizing what anxiety is, but I'm also, I also think a big part of it is kids are struggling to communicate now more than ever COVID a whole lot, lots of different, you know, factors play into it. But because of that decreasing communication, there's been an increase in anxiety. And so it's important we know how to help our kids. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board from the Utah School Counselors Association. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sounding Board. Email the sounding board at utschoolcounselor.org to send us your questions and ideas. If you like our podcast, please rate and review our show. It helps other school counselors to find us. Links and additional information for any references from today's episode are in our show notes. Check out our website at utschoolcounselor.org where you can listen to past podcast episodes, register for any of our professional development opportunities, and become a member of the Utah School Counselors Association. USCA members also receive a bi-monthly newsletter to stay up to date on current Utah School Counseling news, events, and issues. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Utah School Counselor and on Twitter at USCA Tweets. The mission of the Utah School Counselors Association is to support professional school counselors in their work for students through advocacy, professional development, recognition, and support. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our members. We'll have more ideas to share with you next week. Let's go.